everybody. It's uh, Matt from the Dan and Matt show, a.k.a. Today New Brunswick, Tomorrow the World, uh, episode number 14. Uh, yeah. And we're uh, on our, uh, I think it's at this point, uh, our 10-month almost anniversary. So we've been Just about. Yeah, I, I thought maybe that we started it earlier last fall than we actually did, because when I just kind of look back on the, uh, mm-hmm. the timeline or whatever, uh, it was like the first episode didn't come out until like early December, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it was something like that. But we'd we'd at least been in talks for we like we, about we, a we year. give ourselves lots of latitude here to uh, exactly take lots of time away and shift things around uh, without yeah. any filter compunctions. Which I don't know, man. Uh, I don't get that mm-hmm. in a lot of other areas in my life, so I appreciate uh, that aspect of this. Yeah this year uh, podcast thingy so yeah yeah anyway why don't you tell us what the topic's about man because i'll be dang i wrote my notes and this is like not bragging but it kind of is i wrote my notes like right after the last episode came out so two and a half weeks ago whatever it was uh so i'll uh this is like uh why don't you tell us about what the topic is right now all right the topic was uh i, I chose the topic late to the party and I took it as artists that, like, I've been, you know, I ended up being aware of for a while before I actually checked them out or sort of hopped in at a later point of their career and didn't realize how late a point of the career it actually was, um, you know, and sort of with that time sort of occurring when I would have, you know, could have been listening to them. But, you know, for whatever reason, I feel like it's been into it kind of falls into like something about like an early band name turned me off or like or a bad review those seem to be the two camps that my list has kind of fallen into for the most part that then something would came up later on where i realized like hey wait a second these guys are actually good um so yeah that's sort of how i uh that that was uh yeah that was the topic uh, for this show that's sort of great idea the direction i took it in yeah. And uh, the first of those um, is an artist who actually has put out, uh, yeah, put out one of the albums from 2023 that I've quite enjoyed, and that is Jeff Rosenstock, um, oh, who I don't know if you're familiar with. Wow. Yeah. And the reason I picked Jeff Rosenstock is because I guess I've kind of been on board for the majority of his solo career, but he had almost 20 years of music before that uh, between his previous bands, the arrogant sons of bitches and uh, bomb the music industry, both of whom were bands that I, for whatever reason, I just like, I think I heard like folk punk inspired ska. And just at the time that was not the, the flavor combo that my musical palette was looking for. Um, so I just think bomb the music industry were just something I never really, and the name, so I think at the time, like, you know, when I first sort of would have become aware of them around that like late nineties, early aughts kind of era, like, you know, that was just, that was that, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't looking to, to, to get in on the ground floor of something called bomb the music industry at the time, especially with that, you know, the description of, yeah, sort of like folky ska punk <laughs> sort of, that was put along with it. That just, yeah, just, and you know, I, I realized, and then, Sort of much later on, uh, when I was a fan of the uh, the Chris Gethard show, 
in its original sort of cable access and YouTube incarnation. I don't know if you're familiar with that whole uh, media entity. I uh, ought to. I feel like uh, I which, ought to know about that, and I don't. So uh, I'm sure that's making its way. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... Yeah. Anyways, so Chris Gethard is a uh, New Jersey-based stand-up comedian and writer and podcaster. Uh, he also used to have what was basically a pop punk Wayne's World on the Manhattan Neighborhood Network cable access channel, uh, and also described sort of broadcast on YouTube, uh, which was the Chris Gethard show. Uh, which eventually he got, you know, he did a couple seasons on like real cable in the states on like the Fuse Network or something. But the original YouTube incarnate, YouTube and like cable access incarnation is just something like it's it's. I don't think we'll ever get something like that again. It was basically like it was like a weekly talk show where one week they might have an up and coming independent wrestler come on and teach everyone how to cut a promo. And one week, Will Ferrell might show up drunk and give people haircuts on stage while, like, you know, people from the local improv school are just kind of, like, having banter. Um, and then they would have a musical guest every week that was usually kind of the creme, of the, creme de la creme of, like, a certain... Like, Mikey Erg was in their house band. <laughs> like, from the Ergs and, like, a bunch of other, you know, pretty big bands of the time. So that kind of, like, sets the vibe of what the show was. And anyways... Uh, on a pretty memorable episode that uh, <laughs> mostly because it ended up being completely derailed by the crowd chanting eat more butts for the first 15 minutes of the show, um, <laughs> which is well inspired by a bit on uh, Gethard's stand first, his debut stand up comedy album had just come out, and that was part of like sort of like the big closing bit was something about eating more butts. So the crowd decided to completely derail the next episode of his show by chanting it for 15 minutes straight. And then it led right into the, that week's musical guest, who I'd never heard before, who was like this great kind of like angsty pop punk rock kind of troubadour dude named Jeff Rosenstock, um, who played a couple songs from his uh, debut solo album, at, I guess with his only release at the time, I Smell Like Shit, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, like it's it's still out there and available and it's just like a great little 10 song package of that really kind of like sets the tone of the rest of his career and i remember hearing it and just being and then like i think i probably listened to his music for a like a year or two before cluing in because i mean like i don't always you know i i don't know everything there's a lot going on in life that i didn't realize that it was the dude from this band bomb the music industry um that you know i've been aware of for quite some time and just been like yeah because yeah like for whatever reasons and like i said he's one of my favorite artists now and uh yeah his most recent album hell mode is really good um i think my favorite is still probably his second uh full-length worry um but yeah just somebody that yeah, had been putting out music for i think i think at that point probably a good like 15 years and that i'd been aware of that just i'd never checked out for whatever reason and then like I said, no, he's one of my favorites. So that was why he was one of the first people that I had to include on my list. Awesome. Um, I uh, was going to ask if I knew him from any mainstream, mainstream-ish. Like, what's the most famous thing that this person was ever associated with? Objectively, Who, uh, in terms of, like, which person, Jeff Rosenstock or Chris Gethard? Yes, please. Who? Uh, well, Chris Gethard, I think the most mainstream thing, he's got a podcast called Beautiful Rosenthal. Anonymous. 
Rosenstock. Oh, Rosenstock. Yeah. He's got, like I said, he's been mainly a solo artist for mainly the past like, decade. Solo artist throughout his career. Yeah. That's like his well kind for of the this stage. this he's recent stage of his career. Okay. But he said previously he was in a band called Bomb the Music Industry. Yes. So you, that you did were the like, whole thing about yeah. it, and I was just sort of waiting to hear from yeah. uh, if he had something like. Okay, so no, it's uh, just it's just solo. It's it, yeah, he's mostly just been releasing stuff solo. Kinda, I think he's got mostly. Yeah. I think this first album, I'm pretty sure he plays. It's got a drum machine, and I think he plays everything else on it. But oh, the rest of it, he's got pretty go. much like back, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> but you know, with songs about like you know slipping and falling on the way to your corner on the way to the corner store. When you're oh, just, speaking like, of up all weekend, slipping and yeah. falling, dude, I'm gonna jump in. I know. Oh, yeah, winter's I coming up. I'm not looking forward to that. The Northern boys have been yes. on tour. Um, and I caught just a thing about it on some stupid music thing that I follow on Instagram. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I know what that is because of Dan and because of that. <laughs> and it's righteous. So uh, there are, it says they're retired teachers. Is that true? Yes. They're all, teachers? they're all retired teachers. Oh, my God. It makes even more sense now. Like, it's out of, like... Fellow educators, I think I have to yeah. shout these people out, right? So, like, I believe they worked at the same school before they pursued music together. Well, speaking of things from the UK, I guess yeah. um, I'll just leverage that into a transition here. Um, mm -hmm. and I guess probably my notes are going to be a bit different, I think, just because I yeah. grabbed certain things at hand at the time. Yeah, yeah. But um, here's something from the lovely United Kingdom. Uh, Portishead dummy. Ah. Uh, boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, man. I don't even know. Um, it's like I always knew that I liked this record, um, but it wasn't even until this past weekend where I have one of those things where like, I'm going to bed quite late. I'm mm -hmm. not going to get more than four hours of sleep. It's, it's a weekend night. It's like I'm not being totally irresponsible. But I just get up and just flip this one over and just keep listening to it over perhaps mm -hmm. an eight-hour thing of just... Oh, that's such a good album. <laughs> right? It was just so... Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't need to go to any other record maybe even for 12 hours. It was, mm -hmm. it was one of those. So, um, you know, it's like, this is one of those things where um, late to the party. Okay, so it's like, I was aware of them because they had quite a bit of mainstream success, as I recall, yeah. back in Hey Dan, don't you? Uh, yes. They were, they were like a much music slash MTV mm. slash whatever sensation, you know, uh, ish with some of their things. Yeah, yeah they definitely crossed over into that, like, mo yeah, that like kind of the alternative end of things. Because I remember we could also get away with playing them on CHSR at the time because I yeah. definitely played them on CHSR at one point. <laughs> well, and she's just like, and she has, she, and like, uh, Beth, what's her name? The singer. She's just like, yes, holy. She's like Tom Waits in kind of her. Oh yeah. And city and mm -hmm. you know what she brings to it. And she's just like, and I and I catch myself singing along like, I just want to be warm. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like, man, it, it was just slaying it is what she did. And it's like, yeah. And, and then when I hear anything with like. Like just whatever the uh, you know, boom, 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 like the minimalist fucking turntable mm -hmm. with a beat beside it. I'm just like, I, I feel 
that's as close as I'm ever really going to get to that kind of music yeah. ever. And like, I'm not about to become a house music fan. I'm not mm-hmm. about to like just go into the whole very rich, um, yeah. you know, thing about music, particularly from the UK and particularly from the 90s. Mm. Uh, you know, like if you look at stuff like, you know, train spotting, Irvine Welsh, you know, yeah. out, you know, it was like a full on cultural psychedelic movement of its own magnitude mm-hmm. really in the UK. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess probably Oasis being kind of like the most wretched kind of popular manifestation of that. But yeah. um, I'll just even shoehorn one last thing from the uk because to me leatherface okay ah you know and i've gone on repeatedly and i will go on repeatedly about leatherface Mm -hmm. so i'm necessarily just gonna slide this on as a uk bullet point here Mm -hmm. and just say uh that um you sort of look at it and i talk about this in the notes if you want to look at it like late to the party compared to what so they started in 88 then they yeah. went on until like 94 uh, mm-hmm. and that's when they stopped and then they resumed again in uh, beginning in 98. So they sort of took like a four year hiatus and that's yeah. about what I attached to it. Now mm-hmm. you could say they, re- they released the albums that they're most known for, uh, particularly Mush, particularly uh, fill your boots, particularly. It's yeah. just it's all freaking canonically fucking awesome mm-hmm. British post-hardcore rage, you know, Whisker Do plus Motorhead-ish stuff. Exactly. And it's just Northern England misery, and these dudes mm-hmm. just look so freaking gnarly and old. It looks like potatoes that have been used as an ashtray, basically. Yeah. Um, and most, and it's, it's actually true that like three of the dudes who've been in that band have died actually and you know they were not even really like old as far as getting old kind of goes um yeah uh, hard living has caught up with those dudes and uh, but it's like so i got into them just like maybe 10 years after they've been a band 15 years after they've been a band but then they proceeded to be a band you know for another 10 or 15 Mm -hmm. years so does that mean then that i'm late or early or so i just figure they had a bunch of stuff out that was awesome and well regarded before mm-hmm. I attached to them. And since then, you know, 25 years have passed, 20 years have passed. Yeah. And it's like, I'm still a big fan. And with that, Dan, I totally shoehorned a bunch of stuff into that. So please take your time with your next All right. your two choice, please, pal. I was actually going to shoehorn two in here together because they, they're bands that started around the same era that i remember being turned off of initially before even hearing before even just not even giving a chance to for the same stupid reason which was there are bands that got bad reviews and heart attack when i used to use the zine heart attack as like a real like you know a real like sort of that was one of my main sources at the time uh when i was like say in my early mid-20s of checking out Evolution Records is awesome, yeah, man. Exactly. And there's like yeah. one of these, but one of the two bands that I was going to kind of lump together, Ink and Dagger, sort of ties to Ebullition and Ooh, cool a choice. record that I, uh, a re- yeah, well, they were uh, two of the members of that band, uh, Sean McCabe and Don DeVore, 
also played in Frail, who were had a song on the Ebullition Triple X compilation that it talked about on the last episode. And I That's loved Frail. Convenient. I thought they were, yeah, I thought they were great. And, uh, you know, they were one of, you know, there was a you know window of time where they were one of my favorite bands in that sort of like very specific little subgenre of hardcore or whatever. And uh, then when I heard their new band wore makeup and sang about being vampires, I was just like, I don't know. And I just, I, I didn't really take the opportunity. It was a time when music wasn't just like readily available everywhere. And I was just like, you know, I could only afford to buy so many records at a time. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to check out the makeup vampire keyboard band. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. And then like, little, uh, yeah, like yeah. Sean McCabe kind of had, he's one of these people that if the internet had existed in the way it is now when he was, or if he was sort of doing the things he did when the internet existed now, he would probably be like just an evil TikTok star or something. Um, because he would do things like show up at an Earth Crisis concert in a fur coat and pelt them with yogurt when they started playing. Um, and just things like that. Um, there's uh, actually, there's a song by the band Reversal of Man called Get the Kids with the Sideburns. Uh, that's about the dudes from Earth Crisis trying to beat up one of the guys from Reversal of Man because they thought he was one of the guys from Ink and Dagger because Sean McCabe had just done this like fur coat. He had just showed up. Yeah. Showed up at one of their shows in a fur coat and started throwing yogurt on them while they're this like, you know, angry vegan band or whatever. It's um, like performance art on crack, I suppose. Exactly. But at a time when it's just like that you would hear somebody, you know, it was like somebody's third hand recollection of that in a zine or something. Uh -huh. And if you're lucky, like somebody, caught one show one performance on tape and they were selling the vhs in like the, the classified section of maximum rock and roll or something like that like it was just you know like right now i could watch like ink and dagger videos like from like the entire brief span of their career and like one of the like their first bass player went on to be like a fairly famous comedian eric wareheim uh of the duo tim and eric from the show tim and eric awesome show great job and uh, Tim and Eric's million dollar movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eric Wareheim, he also played in another band called uh, uh, was it Elements of Need? Yeah, who was like part of that whole like ebullition heart attack scene back in the day. I think um, we got to do a show about uh, comedians who uh, do punk music because. Oh, there know, was a huge crossover there for sure. Uh, I've been watching the show. About, like the dudes from Portlandia, like uh, what uh, that pretty. You know, you know who I mean. They're both yeah. involved in music. Those two. There's actually on that note, uh, there's a show you should check out called This Fool. Uh, okay. If you have access to Disney Plus, it's on Disney Plus and their Star Channel. Okay. Um, that it's a, a stand-up comic named Chris Estrada, who's from mm -hmm. South Central LA, but he's okay. like an old hardcore scene dude, and it's oh. just like the Lena. You just like the the joke I've heard about the show is just all their audience is just all like old punk dudes doing like the Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing meme at like whatever shirt Chris Estrada's like he's worn like Los Crudo shirts on the show, and like ha invited the members of the band to like come to his show, come to his comedy shows for free and that kind of thing and like, like all these other like you know like flyers for his comedy shows are like takeoffs on like old punk records and stuff like that uh it's this is something i could talk about for a while but anyways to get back you know, to it could be man yeah oh yeah that, yeah this is definitely something for another show but yeah get yeah. back to ink and dagger like i said they were only 
around for like three, four years. Sean McCabe passed away in 2000. Like they started in 1996. Uh, Sean McCabe passed away in 2000. Um, and I think they had like maybe one posthumous release after that. Just a couple of seven inches. But like I said, I didn't check about till like years after. It's like I heard about them and I was just like, I don't know about the vampire keyboard band. Um, and just, you know, now like the, uh, show, uh, their, their record shove the stake through my Phil, shove the seven inch stake through my Philadelphia heart is like, just like a really great little punk rock EP. And it's like, you can tell that they're starting, you know, they're learning more about like rock and roll and different sort of dynamics rather than just like loud, heavy, screamy and acoustic part. Um, and you know, if they'd kept going who knows but like yeah they're like two or three records that they did put out are they're available on streaming um i'm sure you can i know a few of them have been repressed a couple of different times so you might be able to find them reasonably priced out there somewhere um yeah so ink and dagger were on there and another band that i remember not checking out until there's until their singer passed away unfortunately a couple years ago who I remember reading review a bad review of their first album in that era and just like they were just not on my radar after that and that is the world inferno friendship society i don't know if you're familiar with them uh, they're a uh new york new jersey based uh punk soul klezmer jazz collective klezmer. oh klezmer. yeah no this is like the best way i could describe them is like they're the band that plays the messy after party at the anarchist book fair that features everybody from the school band (laughs) like they usually would have like you know sort of eight to ten members on stage like a full horn section and like multiple percussionists on top of like your guitar bass drums like broken social Um, scene kind of yeah but with more like like their singer uh jack terry cloth kind of looks like john waters without the mustache and oh wears kind of like a lot of like big old loud suits um and yeah has kind of like a, a crooner vibe and yeah like i said it's very much like you know this is like the school band nerds who discovered noam chomsky because like oh. you know their, their song titles are things like uh only anarchists are pretty but it's like yeah like this this big crazy mix of like i said of like punk and klezmer and jazz and soul and like just yeah like you got a friend that plays a saxophone they're probably on stage (laughs) yeah you know yeah Yeah. this is where the nerds get a chance to like hang out with the punks like one of those kind of bands um and yeah their debut album came out on gern bladston records uh which was a label run by charles maggio from the band rorschach um, and they, yeah, they normally released stuff that was like a little, a little louder, heavier side of thing. And, you know, and then when they released like this weird, yeah, like I said, this weird art, art jazz soul collectives first record. Like I remember it getting panned pretty hard, <laughs> like, you know, by whatever fucking straight edge kid from Goleta, California ended up getting stuck writing that review for heart attack and just kind of being like, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> and then, yeah, like I said, you know there's a lot of things out there to listen to and they just weren't really a band that came like i heard them mentioned here and there um but then yeah he said a couple years ago uh the singer jack terry cloth passed away i believe from cancer or something like you know an extended illness one of those sort of situations and 
you know, I heard a lot of people kind of lamenting them, even though, you know, like a friend of mine described them as like, you know, Disney villain music. <laughs> like that kind of like it's very it can be pretty melodramatic at times. Um like and like I said, the lyrics are kind of like a mix of just kind of like you know, I said sort of anarcho so syndicalist theory and sort of jokes about getting drunk at the beach in New Jersey or, you know, like, yeah. And just, like I said, a real all over the place mix of like a bunch of different musical styles, but still re I recommend their album Red Eyed Soul from 2005. Well, like awesome. you could see them. Awesome title. Like, yeah. Like I feel like they, they were kind of adjacent to that whole folk punk scene that just kind of wasn't my thing. <laughs> You know, like just like I said, like I feel like they played a lot of anarchist book fairs, um, like that kind of band. But AK like, Press. like I said, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, I've been to a keg party at the AK Press office. I got to hang out with my. I got to hang out in line with Michael Parenti while waiting for for uh, vegan burgers and uh, very cheap beer. Uh, I think that's for people who uh, would go with that, like would pretend to be vegan because it would enhance yeah. their cachet. Well, you know, it was that, that was the they were only serving vegan burgers at the AK Press huh. party. Um, um but I was I was I uh staying with an artist yeah. friend in uh, Oakland at the time and uh, he had I think he'd done some design for them or something and got invited to this cake party that was uh well that was like the was, same era yeah I just like I think of that as like one side of it and I think the guy's advice Doing yeah, exactly. Like, these are like, yeah, like it was a lot of like, we're marketing. sipping beer next to these books that someone's definitely going to buy. Yeah. Like, Vice is, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a whole other world. But anyways, the Once, World Inferno Friendship Society anyway. are definitely the sort of band that provided the soundtrack to a lot of those sorts of gatherings with those sorts of, you know, sort of collective publishing endeavors or whatever. Like, as, Yeah, and I unfortunately never really gave them a shot until their singer passed away and I saw a lot of people whose taste I respected sort of lamenting it. So I figured, Dang. hey, worth checking out. Uh, he sure. also back into the late 80s early 90s played in a pretty good kind of more straight ahead melodic punk band called sticks and stones um who had a couple of eps that i think i yeah i think you could probably find rips of on youtube somewhere i don't know how in print any of them still are but yeah like i said world inferno friendship society another band that i yeah literally didn't check out until it was too late unfortunately but had been aware of for a while and yeah like one person's opinion kind of turned me away from unfortunately for too well, long um and that happens and sometimes if, if if three or four people download this because i have no friggin' idea what our audience size is i yeah. never any of the streams whatsoever only the youtube video clip which i understand most people don't even watch the video the people mm -hmm. who do engage with it is mostly through the audio but my point is, Dan, uh, is that now that may, if that, in, if this conversation, and this is my like college teacher kind of deal, yeah, if, you know, just you know, if just even three or four or two people that haven't heard about before <laughs> chase it down and then they engage with it and then it sort of, you know, um, I don't mind. I, I I enjoy that this is really just kind of like a fanzine for mm. that we have going here, man. 
um, like completely aspiring to be nothing other than that, really. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's yeah. It's uh, just I, I, sometimes time, it's fun to talk about music, you know? It's true. And uh, I don't know, like the academic part of me, like sort of more the former academic part of me, but still. Um, yeah. Part of me is like, I can scrape this. I can like take the transcripts <laughs> and I can take the, you know, I can just contextualize it in such a way and present mm -hmm. it as a text output such that uh, could be suitable for not a self-published book, but mm -hmm. maybe AK Press. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So I shoehorn that in. Um, except AK Press will have no nothing to do with it, and you know, nor should they. But just for instance, you know? so um, that leading to perhaps I'm drinking coffee um, because I'm drinking. I, I got the replacements box set. Ah, nice. Which um, the uh, re uh, reimagined, remastered, you know, completely mm -hmm. redone version of the Tim record yeah. uh, from 1986. It's their first yeah, yeah. Uh, Warner record, uh, their first uh, mainstream record. And uh, as as per the thing, I'm not really in the position to shovel multiple hundreds of dollars at my record mm -hmm. collection anymore, much to my chagrin. But I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get the enhanced bundle with the T-shirt and the mug yeah. uh, and the pin and whatever, the 7-inch extra. Um and uh, yeah, so speaking of uh, things, because I'm drinking coffee here with the uh, hazelnut drink, and lo and behold, this leads us to the descendants. Nice. Uh, Hyper, Hypercapium spasinit uh, from their kind of more recent years. But then I, what I love about the descendants is by design, you can listen to this. Uh, I don't want to grow up, descendants. Like, they're decades apart, really, but I mean, like, I'll be damned if you put them on Spotify and mix them mm -hmm. up, I would be hard pressed to say. Oh, yeah. Um, and I realized I didn't, I didn't know until, you know, this past while where I just completely overextended my money into a record collection mm -hmm. how much I really dig the descendants. Um, don't you agree, Dan? Would you like to say a word to that or? Well, no, I was just sort of nodding in, in agreement just in that, yeah, the Descendants, they're one of those just like classic bands, you know, and they're, yeah, that just sort of mixes, like they're just am amazingly tight musicians for the style of music they right. do. Like very that's very one thing, like there's, it's like there's pop punk bands and then there's bands that are inspired by the Descendants that are, those are the folks that just like, they're, you know, they can stop on a dime. You know that kind of thing. Like they're it's yeah, just, just the characters and, and the narrative are so interesting with that group too. Exactly. I mean, like and, if you just you look at the, I, I mean, I, I went so far as to like you know skim a Wikipedia article. You know, because that's my mm -hmm. level here. Um, and uh, you know the fact that the oh no, I, I, it wasn't that. It was like yeah, the, uh, the 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 story of the history of the Descendants up until 2014 is available as video on Amazon Prime. Yes, uh, yes, yes. That documentary. I've been so, yeah, to check that I was out. watching that over the weekend, and that kind of got me onto it. And uh, yeah, like yeah, this is pretty, you know. And I have one very specific memory actually, which goes back to uh, my 
late teenage years. I want to say I was about mm. 17. Um, and you were doing your show on CHSR. Mm. Um, and I was getting blasted, teenage hammered drunk. Um, and I called you on the show and said, Dan, you play I'm Not a Loser by The Descendants. And I don't even know why that got stuck in my head. I think I'd heard it, you know, on somebody's show or something. Yeah. Week before. And you were kind enough to do it. And man, I don't remember anything really from that evening except <laughs> beyond when that came on. It was like, yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, quite the teenage, you know, righteously, you know, unrighteous moment is what it was. Mm -hmm. So, so there we go, man. Um, late to the, so late to the thing. And as much as I didn't realize really how rad they are. Yeah. And there's that gap of separation. And then plus, uh, the singer, obviously, uh, you know, Milo. Uh, having a PhD in biopsychology. So he's exactly. punk rock with PhDs. And we've talked about yep. behind the scenes about maybe that's going to be an episode because mm. we do one uh, for, for whatever reason. Just yep. It's like some people, you know, you want to, anyway. So bad religion, friggin' yeah, yeah, Greg Gaffin, obviously. Yeah, just uh, anyway, we're not going to do as well. What's Another that? one to put on the uh, Dillinger Four as well. Their drummer is a uh, psycho uh, psychologist. Um, he's a doctor anyway. Um, yeah, but uh, anyways. Oh, so, so yeah, while we're back, back over. Ideas. And I uh, guess on that that'll do for me for that. So how about you? Okay, yeah. Talk? All right. Yeah. So my next one yeah. is uh, actually an artist that I definitely I know that I jumped on late. I jumped on too late, uh, though I have talked to, I talked about one of the members of the group on the show previously, uh, and this is the group Arm and Hammer, uh, who armed is... Armed and Hammered? Arm, no, not Armed and Hammered, uh, not the long-running Toronto band <laughs> Armed and Hammered. Uh, no, I'm talking about New York hip-hop duo Arm and Hammer, or oh, Armand okay. Hammer, okay. Uh, which oh, is features... My is getting old. Yeah, to... no, and it's, 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 you know, it's one of those, and I feel like... I thought it was just sort of the, yeah, anyways, yeah. But yeah, Armand, as like Armand is in the name Armand and then Hammer, uh, who's apparently an actual historical guy. But also, New York duo, based duo of uh, Elucid and Billy Woods, who I've talked about on the show and before. Uh, his album, Ethiopes, was one of my favorite albums of 2022. Uh, he's released three albums since then, <laughs> since I talked about that one record on the show, because uh, he's that prolific. Uh, and has been doing that for probably 10 to 15 years now, which is why he's someone to really, he's, on his own, is hard to keep up with. But even Arm & Hammer, like, they released a new album uh, back in, I think, end of September, uh, called We Buy Diabetic Test Strips. It's been one of my favorite, my favorite albums of the fall. It's just like a really weird, dark, experimental hip-hop album. Like, I've heard it described as, like, music for times when you know it's not going to be okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've just been listening to some of much lately, and I went and looked up, finally went and looked at their other records and realized they have eight, this is their eighth full length as a group in, like, probably nine or ten years that I'm just sort of jump. you know, it's like, yeah, on top of all of the solo, like I said, Billy Woods has put out two solo albums since the one I talked about on the show 
between yeah between the one I talked about on the show and this Armand Hammer record, like the guy is just incredibly pro- prolific, and it's not like throw away like he's putting work into every song obviously like it's not just like throw away bullshit you know like and the armand this uh album we buy diabetic test strips i've been listening to a bunch it's every track is produced by uh i think a different artist pretty much but it's like pretty much a who's who of who's dark and weird and electronic like uh, JPEG Mafia uh, did their first song, first single from the album, which is called uh, "Woke Up and Asked Siri How I'm Gonna Die." Um, <clears throat> and LP, who I've talked about on the show, uh, uh, produced a really good song called "The Gods Must Be Crazy." Actually, I, I just got a little bit of back pay from work recently, and I bought some stupid band shirts because I'm an old man who likes to own stupid band shirts. Um, and I got a I company flow. Anything. I got a shirt that just uh, this company flow shirt as part of my Nick. order of uh, you know, silly band shirts that showed up today. And uh, yeah, anyway, so LP produced uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy on the song. And uh, there's another really good song called Trauma Mike uh, that I was listening to a bunch uh, that has uh, production by uh, Pink Sifu and Moore Mother, who's like a Philadelphia-based noise artist, uh, who is kind of like hanging around, just like banging on scrap metal, <laughs> like and part of this like weird dark rap song. Um, yeah, though no, it's 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 a really like it's it's one of my favorite little pockets of a subgenre of the genre, um, and these guys kind of do it do are doing it the best. It's like and it's like music made by people who were like you know have been around for a while and like lived through some shit you know but not trying to sensationalize any any yeah just sort of yeah they they've have a lived experience that they talked about talk about and like yeah it's like weird and dark and yeah like i said talks about when times aren't necessarily going to be okay all the time and it's a great album and like i said i i've been listening to it so much and then found out it's their eighth so I've got a lot of homework to do on that end. <laughs> Let alone try to keep up with Billy Woods' other stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, Armand Hammer, uh, we buy diabetic test strips. Uh, whenever we talk about our favorites of the year, that's probably... And yeah, there's I actually listened to an interview with them recently where they were talking about like sort of finding out, a, learning about weird little like corners of the world and how people get by in them. That one of them... One of the, I think it's Billy Woods was walking out, walking around one day and saw a sign in a like a corner store window that said "We buy diabetic test strips" with a phone number, and it just like he was just like it, it kind of like just twisted his mind to like find out like what is this world, like and like had just called the number and like was like, hey, so what's what's the deal? Like I saw it, it's like just like it's like you know like why what's going on and just like found out about I guess people were recycling them or something like found a way to recycle them and resell them or something but it was just like yep yeah, no that's just that's a thing that's happening now and i learned about it because i saw a weird little sign and like that's the kind of stuff that goes into like it goes into their music and why i really like their stuff you know so yeah that was i just sometimes think like sometimes you know every day you know somebody's waking up somewhere and the way that they're engaging with the world and their artistic thing is I'm in a band. We put out a thing called diabetic test strips. What? We buy diabetic test strips. 
Yes. It's sorry. named after, or, and yeah, the, it's taken yeah. from a sign that a guy, one of them saw in like a corner. Someone had put up like just like a handwritten sign in a corner store window. Yeah. That's very yeah. specific and intentional. Like I'm yeah. engaging with the world through this musical thing, which is, you know, it's like, like, I don't know. You yeah. wake up and you're in a band, you're, you wake up and you're the bass yeah. player in the band, Anal Like, you know, like, you know, like, I've actually okay. seen them live. You've seen Anal Cunt live? Yes. Um, was it mind blowing? I saw them play two sets at the same festival in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, wow. The first one was an acoustic set the first night. Uh, <laughs> was, it was just the, the guitarist and the singer. And what they what they did was the singer had an extra microphone between his knees and just played the drum parts on his knees while the guitar player played acoustic. Um, and then uh, the second night, uh, the band that I was ro roadieing for at the time, uh, just kind of like tagging along with while they were sort of cutting through uh, sort of uh, part of New England on tour, this band from uh, Atlanta, Georgia called Quadaliacha, who had, I, I met them in Buffalo, New York, because I helped them not get beaten up by uh, another band that they played with that night who didn't like them. Um, so we helped. Shout out to Will. I don't know if he would ever watch this or listen to this. But anyways. Um, but yeah, anyways, I helped them sneak out of this show in Buffalo uh, without getting beaten up. So they took me the rest of the way to the coast uh, so I could hitchhike from Boston up to Fredericton to stop on to visit back in like the year, maybe the year just after I moved away. Uh, but anyways, while I was roadieing for this band on tour after helping them not get beat up in Buffalo, uh, they ended up playing this uh, three-day festival in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, yeah, they had not one, but two performances by Anal Cunt there. And they also headlined the third night and took all of the money from the door, apparently. Um, and yeah, it was just like a collection of the dumbest dudes alive. Very excited for them. <laughs> like we were just all like me and the guys in Quadaliacha were all just sort of standing in the back of the room because like they'd been hanging out in the area for most of that weekend just kind of like watching all the other friends bands play and leave town again and then they're like well I guess we're playing the last day it should be good and then it's the day that Anal Cunter headlining and it's just you know it's just just the dumbest dudes ever all very excited to see them play the song Peppy the Gay Waiter. Like, it was just not a fun time. We ended up stealing a Texas Mickey from behind the bar and, like, just high, like, tie-tailing it out of there. It was just, it was, it was a time. Anyways, yeah. That. You've had some very seriously lived experiences in and around anal cunt. <laughs> yes, that was sorry. Was that like, was my one experience that I've never listened to, but that's like you know has. That's like I've never know, been a fan of theirs, but I just had this very intense experience with them no, one weekend in Providence, Rhode Island. Like, no, no that's. Uh, I'm 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 glad that we have a. Uh, yeah, a venue to capture this kind of thing. This was a long time ago. I think I was 20. It was the year after I moved away from Fredericton. So I think it would have been yeah. like 21 or something. And yeah, it was like, yeah, man, taking my time on the way back and just kind of tagging along with various bands on tour and that kind of thing. You know, sure. during the well, brief window of time where I did that. <laughs> worst ways to spend a few years. What the hell, right? Exactly. Yeah, you didn't. So, uh, anyways, you know. that was a couple of very like extended side tirades. Sure, um, nah, man. The uh, 
tis the season, right? Yeah. Of the uh, sideways tirades. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know what? I'm just going to take, uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, one of them I'll leave for the notes and I'll shoehorn yeah. two of them together. Um, and this is just because uh, they came to me from um, the uh, record label. It's uh, uh, Iodine Recording. Iodine okay. Record. Yeah, they're kind of like they're they're a contemporary label, but they're putting out like older and less recognized or less heralded, mm-hmm. I suppose. Punk and emo, you want to say like yeah. yeah. The, you know, like doing the circuit of, you know, uh, KFC halls and basements yeah. and mm-hmm. like whatever, right? And I have really come to appreciate that whole genre of music. So when I was still kind of able to leverage certain funding vehicles that mm-hmm. I had at my disposal where I'm like, I could just, you know, go directly to record labels and even though murderous to get shipping from the United States usually. I'm still like, when can I do this again? Probably never. So what the hey? Um, and I stand by that. Um, so I, I'm recording artists, uh, Smoker Fire. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, they're uh, kind of a bit of a story here with them. My first instant of uh, connecting to them is through the singer, mm-hmm. who I mentioned before on the show. Uh, in conjunction with uh, Brendan Kelly from Lawrence Arms, who I just think he's just, mm-hmm. he's a really singular talent within that scene. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, Chicago-ish, uh, you know, whatever, them and uh, Alkaline Trio and whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just some stuff I've been uh, enjoying a lot lately. So yeah, yeah. This, uh, Joe McMahon, he uh, put out uh, the this, this split second side of an acoustic split mm-hmm. uh, with Brendan Kelly, um, and that kind of got me curious enough to go, okay, well, what was this guy even in? And he was in a band. I don't even know. It was like Jericho. Jericho. It was like some like religious-ish kind of thing. And they had to change okay. the name a couple times. They started out. It was like they started. They they were they started out in like Boston um, as yeah. part of the '90s kind of Northeast punk scene. But then they went down to uh, Virginia and. Mm-hmm. and they sort of switched into what ultimately morphed out as Smoker Fire. And this is all to say yeah. I had no reason to know about it except, you know, it was obscure enough, but then um, it's actually really dope, as it turns out. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a solid, uh, it's very much of the time. It's very much yeah. of the era. It's, you know, like I said, just anything that, you know, there's just such a wide vast amount of those bands right and if yeah you, yeah what i what i appreciate about like on instagram i know you follow some of them too is just like you know 90s heart at 90s hardcore or, oh yeah 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 those all those accounts yeah yeah all of those accounts i just follow them it's just like shitloads of bands yeah. i'm never gonna even know existed but every time mm-hmm. I hear one of them kind of picks up, picks up, it's like, oh, suicide machines. Okay, this is, you know, or yeah. whatever. Just something obscure. It's so, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate, I appreciate the Zuckerberg suck box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Zuckerberg suck box. I think I can TM that. Um, 
for 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 that aspect of you know getting hip to some of this stuff. And the last thing I'll add to it is they were so nice. The record labels sometimes are so nice about it because they're like, man, it sucks you have to pay that much for shipping, so they'll just flip you in free records sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Orange Island uh, is a band who. Uh, well, heck, if you're in Orange Island and you uh, mm-hmm. and you want to let me know anything about you because you're almost non-existent, um, you know, as far as being on the internet, or maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. But yeah, it's uh, it's got some really, it's just a beautiful record. One night, or let's see, one night stay, and it's got this decrepit-looking mm-hmm. you know hotel room with a phone on it that's totally getting distorted by the filter here. Um, but uh, it's that level of uh, lyrical, almost uh, with literary aspirations, almost, but it's mm-hmm. still just hardcore, right? So for me, with my friggin' English degree and my friggin' pathological need to write in public, um, I. I go when when somebody else is kind of making similar aspirations. I go, okay, mm-hmm. okay, well played. So I guess I'll just leave it at that. What's your last? All right, yeah, my last one long, is. My last one's an artist who I guess I was exposed to a little bit early, but didn't really sort of. I didn't really know what I was listening to at the time, uh, and then didn't catch up on until later. Uh, and that is Memphis's Jay Riotard. Um, oh, formerly oh, Jimmy Lee Lind, or I guess sort of his government name was Jimmy Lee Lindsay. But uh, I had originally heard his old band, The Lost Sounds, through our mutual friend Ben McFarlane, just as awesome. one of those many things Ben had that was just sure. like, you know, the guy just has it was during that time. I, I don't, yeah, during a period of time, I was like, I think it was like visiting Fredericton. And he, he, had just, a, he had a prodigious record collection. He did. He just had a pretty, yeah, exactly. I and mean, it was just like constantly growing, it seems. And I was just like over visiting him. And it was one of like half a dozen things he would have played me that day that I was just kind of like, okay, kind of spooky garage thing. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I remember when Ben first started hanging around CHSR when he was younger yeah. and he just pretty much would like just interrogate people about certain records. And just like absorb that information until later on, he had the opportunity to just build like the ultimate record collection. It seemed uh, for like what he was into at the time, or let's you know, just like he was the person that seemed to know where to get the goods, you know, like where to find the good stuff for a lot of that. And uh, yeah, he was one of maybe a half a dozen artists he would have played me some one afternoon that I heard and then didn't really know where to keep up with, and then like. There was a stretch of time when the aughts where I wasn't really keeping up with the scene so much. Like right. I worked in the hospitality industry, shall we say, in like a pretty square, like a pretty square, like bar restaurant kind of situation. And like, you do worse than that. Exactly. Well, this was uh yeah, this was an Irish pub. I got real familiar oh, with the song dude. Sonny's Dream, shall we say, and like I was dating like a lady hip hop DJ at the time and mostly just listened to that kind of stuff. And it was like that, if it wasn't like that or like some weird doomy post metal kind of like neurosis ripoff thing, I probably wasn't listening to it. And that was around the time that he was really sort of releasing a lot of his iconic records. And like he even came to Halifax while I was living here. And I just kind of, I probably worked 65 hours that week. 
you know, at the old triangle or whatever. It was just like, I'm not going to that fucking festival. (laughs) Yeah, no, I worked, I, I was the, I was a doorman and also line cook at the same time at the old triangle for quite in Halifax for quite a few years before I, that was my inspiration for, uh, getting into the world of sit-down jobs in the public service <laughs> well played, <laughs> was man. a few well years doing man. that well a few years working technically two jobs at the same establishment um and yeah that led to some long weeks and just kind of like not really it's like i didn't really get out to a lot of shows at the time and you know i listened to what i listened to and yeah. you know if it was something that i think i just thought of it like some vice magazine stuff or whatever at the time and didn't really like clue in and then you know, probably right around the time he passed away, I would have finally given him a chance. It was probably around the time that I think, I think that was around the time I finally listened to him was right around the time he unfortunately passed away, like yeah. in the late aughts or whatever. But still, like, you know, I can throw out Blood Visions and it's like, that's still a killer album. You know, like, it's like he only put out like a couple of solo records that are still like, you know, very worth listening to. Um, and like, you know, the stuff with the Lost Sounds, which was his old band that like Ben McFarlane played me. Like that stuff, I know you can find most of their stuff on streaming as well. And it's kind of like, it's almost like the same vibe as like the Murder City Devils. I don't know if you ever listened to them back in the day. Like that kind of like, yeah, you know, spooky garagey stuff. But like coming from him and his like pop songwriting chops. And yeah, like I said, I just didn't keep up with that. I wasn't keeping up with that stuff for a bit and unfortunately missed out on opportunities to like, sort of check him out in the you know while he was active more actively uh because of that but you know definitely enjoyed his music a little later on so that was my last pick fantastic well um i think we uh covered a whole uh, pile of ground there uh and i quite enjoyed some of these uh, sidetracks that we find ourselves on which I've had this experience on the uh, other podcast as well. You see, and I'll just take the moment to remark because I'm marked on the other one where these two things that I do are just so quite different from each other, but it's like the same production process um, and it's a similar vibe, except just in a totally different area. So we, I've, I've just completed a year in with the other one and we have, you know, in a month or two, we're going to be on one full year of this. So if you actually take the number of podcast episodes that have come out, by that point, we're going to be at probably number 17 or 18 within mm-hmm. a year. You know, we're going to get two or three more of these in within a couple months for sure. Yep. Even though we tend to give ourselves lots of slack. Yeah. Uh, as we ought to. Um, as we um, and, but then with the other one, it's like by that point, it'll be up to almost like episode 40, you know, and mm-hmm. be, I don't know. I think it's impressive, Dan. I think we're, 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 we're coming up with something for the record here. Mm. Um, and I just like to take this, uh, call it a, a Halloween moment of gratitude. Aww. Just say, thank you for being a friend. Travel thank you. down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a companion. And if you threw a party, and I think you know the rest, I won't uh, go further with that. That's my Halloween wish for anybody who's listening to this. Thank you for not murdering me in my sleep with a nice dick. 
All right. That's my All final right. last word. Okay. Thanks, What's Matt. That was really nice. I, I don't know. I really appreciate that. That's really nice. I've really enjoyed this too. You know, it's been really awesome. great. Good. I, yeah, glad. like I said, I you, like you said, you know, we do sort of take our time between these sometimes because I mean, I don't know, life happens. You got to um, be human first. Exactly. But yeah. you know, it's it's really like I said, it's sometimes fun to just like sit and talk about music for a exactly. while, you know. And like, yeah, you know, just kind of like because there's stuff that you talk about that I haven't really listened to that I always check out afterwards, and you know, like I like just like. I like you know. the. I I just I like the notes. I like reading what yeah. you say about it, and then I like you know I I like the fact that this exists in like a few different distinct formats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just does my little AV, you know, high school nerd heart, you know, a, a certain amount of like, ah, yeah. If you kind of go, that's kind of uh, somewhat of a normal trajectory under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Stop, you know, at the CHSR, you know, flail a little bit in your middle years, and then, oh, a podcast, do tell. Like, got to lean into those stereotypes, man. We got to mm-hmm. All right. All right. So, yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Bye.